listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. In this episode of Dairy Voice, we're speaking with Neil Hostens, who is a veterinarian and professor in the vet school at the University of Utrecht in Holland. Neil has become widely known for his work with dairy data and his advocacy for new approaches to evaluating dairy production and research. Welcome to Dairy Voice, Mill. Welcome uh, to all of you. Thanks for the invitation, man. Uh, in this time of COVID-19, as we're having this conversation in early April, we certainly hope that you and your family and your colleagues are safe at home. Um, at this moment, I am not safe at home. I'm safe at the university because I'm on duty this week at the clinic. So I'm, I'm hoping to keep as much distance as I can from the students while maintaining, the, let's say, the normal procedures that at this stage still um, need to happen. So we're still having real animals at the clinic which need to be looked after and COVID-19 we need that. I think we can all appreciate the fact that the animals need care kind of no matter what else is happening. You grew up as a as a dairy farm kid if you will. Just tell us about your youth and how you became involved in the and became enthused about the dairy industry and dairy production. So for those people um, who have uh, no idea who I am, I am uh, Neil Hostens from Belgium, in fact. So I work at the University of Utrecht at this moment, but I grew up in Belgium, the, the Flemish part. Um, so I grew up eventually between the Belgian blue cows that some of you might know. My grandmother was a, a small dairy farm, which eventually switched towards beef production. So I grew up as a kid with, within the animals or with, uh, in between the animals. But in fact, it was my, my mother which pushed me to use my, let's say, analytical skills a bit more because she was always pushing me into the technical side. And at exactly that same moment when I grew up in the 80s, we had the, the first Macintosh from Apple at home. So because of that combination of animals and computers, let's say, I always had a bit of a combined interest in both the animals as well as the computer side or the the techie side of things and eventually that's how I, I started combining things. Uh, I really liked the, the animal part um, more and more. I, all my uncles they pushed me into the, the cow side of things but in the meantime I kept having that dream to become an engineer instead of a veterinarian but luckily I, I switched, um, did my master's degree in, in veterinary medicine by 2006 I worked for a very short time in private practice in the Netherlands, started even at that moment to appreciate the Netherlands for what they did, but went back to the University of Ghent, worked at the Department of Reproduction, Obstetrics and Herd Health on a PhD about feeding and trying, uh, feeding dairy cows and trying to manipulate their fertility. By doing that, it's exactly the, the trigger that reinitiated my, let's say, analytical uh, part of my brains that, that started to see that farms were creating a lot of data with what you could do much more than what they were doing at that moment. I always had the idea that we were underusing the data that was there. That really started to trigger me while doing the research that we could use it in education, that we could use it more in um, experimental setups, observational studies. And I started together with Professor Opsomer, who was my, 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 my supervisor at that moment, we used data more and more in the herd health services. And that's where I really started seeing the potential of what's happening in the dairy business. Uh, because the dairy business in agriculture is probably one of these um, sectors that's really 
um, collecting a lot of data by nature almost. That's my background. Well, and you have, uh, in addition to your university work, you have uh, done consulting and you've made presentations uh, broadly through the industry as well. Tell us a little bit about some of your uh, industry and some of your travels. Uh, once I started, let's say, combining the, the academical world, um, the, the academical world with the data world, that's when it became really interesting for me because indeed by doing the servicing uh, to herds, really troubleshooting herds by looking in depth to metrics from these farms, I started, the first thing that I started noticing was the, the let's say the, the, the problem that a lot of farms I was working with, they were using different softwares, they were having um, some data in Excel sheets, all of that, and by, let's say, especially focusing on trying to combine that, other people saw what we were doing at the University of Utrecht, uh, sorry, the University of um, Ghent at that moment, and by exactly that um, expertise that we had, some people became interested, and I was um, um, inquired, or I was, how to say, so people started to ask me to show uh, on different places where to go. Um, I visited a lot of dairies in the world at this moment, trying to understand how this data struggle behaves in different parts of the world. It's everywhere the same problem. That's nice to see. All Everybody in the world is trying to solve this almost holy grail. How can we more efficiently use that data together on the farm to help decision making? Because of the, of course, the academical output that I created, I was um, speaking at several conferences. And then in the veterinary world, I uh, give a lot of talks to veterinarians how to interpret metrics. I like that part because I, I think um, probably my enthusiasm once in a while helps in, in trying to bring that message. I speak a lot to farmers. Um, the, the pharmaceutical industry, of course, they get interest because they also want to see if specific drugs that they are uh, providing to farms are having better, let's say, results than others. And it's by, by let's say, that combined effort of both the academical world as well as the data science world or maybe let's say the academical dairy world, and then combination with the data science world that really became my my key focus. Uh, the data science world is also quite, act, or let's say that they are quite enthusiastic about this subdomain, because normally what you see in the data science world is that most of the people working there are working with, with financial data, insurance data. Uh, sometimes they have some um, data from governments, but other than that, difficult to get real large data sets to work with and what you see is the, from the moment that I start speaking to data science communities uh, people come to me and say ah, I want to help in, in trying to, to work with data sets in a different way or I want to do some uh, artificial intelligence on top of animal data because it's yeah for them it's like almost sexy or and it's fun because if I invite them for example right now to the experimental farm at Utrecht where we are um, equipping all the animals with more and more sensors. Yeah, they, they really like that because they most of these data science geeks, they never leave their keyboards and now suddenly they can come to the, let's say, some to a farm and they, they can see real animals and they can see how technology and agriculture can match. Probably the, the, the most interesting part because we need, especially, uh, and, and it's with, in a positive way, we need more geeks for this kind of um, data. That's really the, the, the need that we have because we need both, we need veterinarians, but we also need animal scientists, we need data scientists, and the best is if you have a bit of a mixture between the three of them.
Caintus comes to the market in 2020 with a new vision for animals, farmers, and food production. Our world-changing technology combines computer vision and artificial intelligence to watch over your business 24-7, alerting you when it matters most. We help you make data-driven decisions to improve your dairy operation and animal health, positively impacting productivity and profitability. Caintus is keeping an eye on your farm and an eye on your future. To learn more about us, log on to Caintus.com today. And we're back. Mill, give us an example in your earlier work of the kinds of uh, problems that you were able to solve uh, working with dairy farmers uh, earlier in your earlier in your career. And then we can talk about how that work has evolved and what you're working on today. What I'll call a practical example of how you help farmers in your earlier career with data. It, it might sound very, very simple, but I'll give the example of conception rates and, and insemination rates. A metric which a lot of people, especially if, if you're on the North American side of the world, it might seem obvious that we can go to a farm and ask for a preg rate. But I've worked with farms from, let's say, 20 to 30 animals per farm until farms with 9,000 animals and more in the earlier times, let's say, the, the bigger at that moment. How do you compare reproductive performance on a farm of size 1 versus size B? Which metric is, let's say, precise or is, is able to capture that reproductive performance in a way that fits the size? Um, if we compare different software programs, if we uh, compare different um, programs which are capturing inseminations, um, which are capturing the carvings, the, 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 the crack checks, all these systems have implemented in what I hope the same way the calculations for preg rates or how are we going to benchmark these farms? That's really my initial work focusing on that issue because I'm convinced that there's a lot of programs out there that have done the calculations wrong, which causes us to compare farms in a wrong way. That's really the earlier work that I was focusing on. How do you, how do you evaluate, for example, reproductive or productive performance on farms given different sizes? And then most people will say, oh, that's not so difficult. But in, in the back, it's not so simple. It's maybe a simple answer, but the answer should not be simplistic. Yes, the difference between simple and simplistic. So as, you, as your work evolved, what are, what are some of the other metrics, if you will, indicators uh, of dairy farm production, uh, dairy farm efficiencies that you applied this, this analysis to? Well, by doing some academic, um, let's say, uh, studies, we started focusing on, uh, on, on different metrics out there. Um, I don't, I'm convinced that you will never hear about a metric which will be called um, with my name, for example, because I, I, I think that the whole world right now is evolving so fast that we can have experts from all over the world which might have their own way of looking at data from farms with their own specific strength. And what I really love is going towards a system via which we can allow people to have their own strength, their own focus, for example, and I will give them the case in, that I've worked with um, a lot over the last years. I've worked a lot with lactation curve modeling, which has been 
well, which has been the focus of Jim Ehrlich from New York State for years. And I'm convinced that what I can do, for example, is combine data from Hertz and then compare them with a the lactation curve analysis, which is performed by somebody who has an extreme focus on lactation curve um, analysis. I'm not the one to say that it's the best analysis, but at least what we can do is we can look at farms and compare them using what we at that moment look at as being the best metric, for example, for productive performance. And for reproductive performance, we also have those key opinion leaders in the world, but even experts when it comes to calculations, that we should really bring those worlds together and enable researchers or practitioners or people from, let's say, a different industry to look into the data and their way, try to focus on specific areas, but combine the best of, of these worlds. And, and that's what I think over the last years has, um, has been also part of what I've done. Um, we've done some transition management facility um, lactation curve analysis published in Journal of Dairy Science already some years ago now. But very simple, we extracted data from the original software. We um, transformed it into such a way that we could bring it to the cloud. In the cloud, we performed the lactation curve analysis, which was done by a, a real expert in lactation curve analysis, and then tried to learn from that. And it's those efforts that we will see more, that people in the specific areas yeah, start modularly, combine, let's say, um, or let's say combine, that the, the combined data flow can be analyzed by experts in the different regions. And the benefit to the producer is that you can help him with the genetics of his cattle in terms of their trends or, the, or of course, the management in order to optimize the lactation curves. Just, just help right. me understand yeah. the, uh, how, this, how this can benefit the producer. At, at the end, indeed, the, the question should always be how does it benefit the industry, the producer? There's a lot of data, let's say, analysis that's done out there, which is, brings sometimes very little to the, the producers that, and which gives a frustration. Let's say that at this stage, it's very clear that data is, let's say, uh, gathered at farm level to manage. Farmer always needs to be able to manage. What I like about most management software at this moment is that that's what they do good. They can manage a farm. But what, they, what the, the, the problem gets when you try to make conclusions on the long term, making lo long term analysis of farms, even historical farm analysis, did the lactation curve or did the break rates or did the effects of specific, um, or not, not really effects, did specific parameters on the farm, how did they change over time? We often look at farms in a static way. We do the analysis now, but we forget the, the, the history of the farm. How did genetics evolve over the last 10 years? Maybe some farmers are already collecting data from the early, let's say, 90s. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to really analyze that data for 30 years and see, okay, this is where this happened, this is where that happened. That's what we probably need to be able to do in a more easy way. The next thing, of course, and that's the real challenge that we are facing, is some of these analysis are getting let's say, more common to the industry. Some parties are now doing that as a service for farmers. But what you now see is that the real challenge is the decision-making. How can we use data not to analyze the past, but try to guide decisions in the future? Are you able to uh, apply some of these concepts uh, or theories, if you will, to the university herd that you're working with right now? 
or are you applying some of these to other herds that you're consulting with? Where are you applying your new approaches? Maybe the, the best to, to first say is that I only am working at the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine in Netherlands since a year, now almost a year and four months. So I'm very recently, I, or only very recently, I came here. When I came here, the first thing that I did is I made a big tour around the faculty and I went to the faculty farm, which is only, I guess, as I am looking right now from my window, I see the farm. So it's really five minutes walk maximum. It's not a big farm. That's a bit of the, you could say it's more typical of uh, Dutch. It's about 75 animals milked. But it's one of the highest um, organic farms um, in the Netherlands. They yield about 13,000, 14,000 um, kgs on a three, three of five. But the nice thing is that we started ever since we started, uh, or I started working here, I invited technology in the dairy industry to see if we can work together, if we can apply the technology providers at the farm and see if we can learn from that. Can we learn from the past? Why is this farm producing so good? But now the challenge is, can we see if we can have the data help in the decision making, the economical decision? It's simple decisions, treat or not to treat, inseminate or not to inseminate decisions. That's what we are doing now. And especially what's interesting, of course, and that's what you see in the industry over the last years, we try to see if sensor data can add to that. What can we learn from the sensor data that is, let's say, produced at this moment on the farm? So we're having already some sensor providers which are installed on the farm. And then now um, several other have um, committed that they will install the sensor technology also on the farm. But of course, because of the COVID, everything is down at this moment. We cannot even meet each other in real life anymore, but that will soon come. The animals were also genotyped recently. I have, since some days, I have all the genotypes from the animals. And then it becomes interesting. It becomes interesting to understand the, the genetic component of the farm, uh, the, the behavioral part of the farm. Uh, maybe we need to understand more about the nutritional part. How can we explain what's happening on the farm if we have all this data? Is it the genetics that's bringing that high yield? Is it the, the, the behavior of the animals which is captured by the sensors that is bringing that high yield? Is it the combination? Which part has evolved over time? But then also, can we use some of this data to make decisions? Which animal is going to stay? Which is going to leave? Especially when it comes to culling decisions, there's a lot to win. A lot of projects in Wisconsin, Florida, there is projects running about culling decisions, but this needs to be happening almost real time. Look at a cow, look at her data in your hand, and then make the decision, okay, sorry girl, I leave you, or I will inseminate you again with the best boom or whatever decision that might be needed at that moment. Are you finding that your work has resulted in management strategies that kind of fly in the face of conventional wisdom? In other words, things that typically are done on well-managed dairies, you're finding that the data and your research says maybe we shouldn't do it that way. Things that we assumed to be true because we were not able to measure them, that some of these concepts were wrong. The example that I can give is, um, and some other research groups are seeing that as well, is the behavior of animals linked to welfare or um, production metrics. We were always, we always were saying that for every hour that animals were laying down, that they were producing more. But probably what we see from the sensor data right now is that it's not about the average metric of what's the average hours that these uh, girls lay down on the farm, but it's about the optimal. That's what we see. 
because the longer she lays down, we know then the less time she has to do other things because you only have 24 hours on a day. So these kind of things, that's what we definitely will be able to challenge. We will be able to challenge hypothesis. We recently now uh, published a uh, an, an publication to journal Dairy Science about locomotion scores in combination with uh, sensor data. And also there, we see some things that we assumed to be different. And it's interesting. It, it challenges us with old theories, but that's not bad. It's it's good. There is probably, you have, said, you have heard that before, the expression, but I'll say it again. Gut feeling is good, but data is always better. And as long as there is no data, we should use our gut feeling. But the, the moment that you can have data, yeah, give more, give more power to the data because that is telling us the truth. As we look ahead, and as you look ahead, it, it seems to some, maybe to many, that as we come out of this period of uh, COVID-19, our industry is already under great pressure to make changes. What do you see uh, in, in the future? How do, how do you look ahead? What's, what's going to be different? How will the data be applied? I think... On specific levels, data can play a role in the, in, in the near future. There's two areas, and I've mentioned one. The first one, I think, is, is of course, the, the decision-making. Being able to decide, okay, now, for example, the dairy market is, is crashing because of lack of, let's say, um, how strange it might sound because we know that there is a need for milk. But right now, what we see is that Milk is being dumped some places in the world. Is it because the, the trucks cannot get there anymore because of the COVID or whatever might be the reason? But decision-making at that moment is crucial. Which are the ladies that I keep? Which are the ladies that need to go? We need to be able to do that more efficiently. I think we fail in doing that at this moment. Probably we just select them based on some basic metrics that we, we, we know from our gut feeling and then make the decision. Um, on the other hand, what I think might help in the future is the possibility, and that's where I'm focusing on over the um, last, let's say already the, the last years, but is having the tools, the data, the tools available to work with people from a distance. Um, even now I can imagine that consultants are not able to go to farms anymore. The tools right now are available to allow us to look at farms in a, a standardized way and consult with them from a distance. Maybe we don't need to be there physically anymore to really follow up farms and give good guidance. What kind of techniques are there? If you think about personnel, personnel dropouts right now, probably because of COVID will also happen. How can we use data and new tools to train personnel? Can we find a way so that we don't need that interaction, that physical interaction with people, which is needed at this moment because you need to train people? But what about technology that allows you to, to create that distance and have give better guidance to personnel and new personnel, turnover personnel? How do you get how can we use data to, to manage that? That's maybe a, a challenge that we face because we need to be able to provide food for the world. In this COVID-19 era, I hope that people understand that, again, the need for food, the, the, the importance of basic uh, or primary agriculture. I hope that people understand that. And then data is just a, a new stethoscope for veterinarians or a, a part of the toolkit that somebody should use. It's not the uh, solution, but it's part of the solution to bring that sustainability to the agriculture. I think that's a, a very good 
closing comment as we wind up our time here. Mill, we thank you very much for sharing your thinking with us. We'll look forward to uh, seeing your work in the future, and perhaps we can have another, another conversation. You're more than welcome. We would certainly welcome that, and we share your hope that uh, production agriculture will be more appreciated as we, as we come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we've been speaking today with Mill Hostens at the University of Utrecht in Holland, uh, a dairy data researcher and veterinarian. We're speaking today for Dairy Voice, and you can find Dairy Voice on all the usual podcast sites, as well as at dairybusiness.com. This is your host, Joel Hastings. Thank you very much.